Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, we're going to go to the mailbag. Uh, got quite a diverse set of questions that came in, or topics people want to cover, and I'm going to go ahead and cover them today. I hope you enjoy it. The first one is a very positive statement of success, um, and I'm going to share it with you. Don't be intimidated by it. Just realize that these types of results are possible. And uh, this is from Mike. I'm not going to give his whole name because I didn't ask if I could read this out in public. So, hope you're enjoying your weekend. I wanted to reach out and say thank you from the bottom of my heart. In March, I surpassed the $1 million invested in March just in passive deals alone. I have approximately 230k equity in houses currently. That's not why I'm writing, however. I'm writing because as we speak, I am knee-deep living your rule three. Here's how my real estate portfolio is tracking. By the way, the three rules are rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, there's got to be cash flow or I won't do it. And rule number three is you can't get rich slow. So here's his results. As of right now, I have $1,115,000 in passive deals. I have $340,000 in single-family equity. I expect it to be $1.5 million in passive deals by the end of year 222 and or first quarter of 223. In 221, I was able to invest as much as 219 and 220 combined. If current growth patterns continue, why wouldn't it? I will be at $2 million in passive deals by the end of year 2025, if not sooner. $2 million will quickly become $3 million and so on. Houses will get sold and we will go lead or IRO late in 222. That will hasten our growth, so my above projections may be overly conservative. You made me a millionaire, and I want to express my gratitude. I did nothing special, and honestly, did not even really go all in until 2018. I'm just a guy following your map. I did not start with much, but what I had has ballooned. Life is different. I sleep better. Food tastes better. Downtime with my family is better. Stress is not a factor in our day-to-day life. You have changed my family's life. I do the L-U-I-N-C process, and quite honestly, the show uh, gives me more than I feel I give to the audience. Odds to say, but here's a spiritual... Uh, spiritually to staying focused and helping others along the way. As I write this, I'm planning our off-the-chart vacation, family of five, to Tulum this June. Cash flow is so nice, we're considering Cabo for Christmas. Wow, life is good. Best to you, Dell. I didn't read this just to blow smoke. I read this to you because I want you to see the process. The process is whatever you have, consider doubling it. That's what you can do in real estate. Been doing this for 32 years. We've been able to double our money anywhere from two to three years, whether it be single family or multifamily deals. Even in the passive deals, 
some of the people have been able to double their money in two to three years. Well, most of the people have been able to do it within three years, but some of you have been able to do it in two years. But the idea is take whatever you have, say you have $100,000, and if you work the process, two years from now you have 200000 but then two more years from then you have 400000 then two more years from then you have 800000 Now, that's if you just use the straight line growth process. If you do what most people do, which is, and I will explain to you how this basically, I see it working, is that they start by investing what they're not afraid to invest. So maybe they take 100000 out of savings and invest that, and a year or two down the line, they say, wow, I see it doubling. So now they go to their 401k and pull out another hundred or two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars, and they get that in there. Now they got the two hundred that they the one hundred that turned into two hundred. Now they throw three hundred more on the fire. Now they got five hundred. Now two years from now they got a million. When they see this happening, they start to see the process. Then they go over there and they sell their house or refinance their house, pull all the cash out of the house, and throw another couple hundred thousand to you know anywhere from a couple hundred thousand for cheap houses in this day and age up to a million, two million dollars for more expensive homes, and they throw that money on the fire, and that money starts doubling with the other money. It becomes a snowball effect, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Interestingly enough, when you quit your job, your money stops. Interestingly enough here, it's not that way. When you quit your job, your money is invested. It keeps growing. You keep becoming wealthier. You keep having more cash flow, even though you're not actively, well, I would say very small amount of activity because you still have to do something. I found myself yesterday, that's why I'm tongue-in-cheek, I found myself yesterday um, getting all the stuff together to take to my CPA from a tax return. And, you know, I, I don't know how many companies I have. I used to have 27, but I think we just started two more this last month. But, I mean, i got to go get all the information from the CPA or from my uh, CFO on these companies, all my real estate deals. I have to get all my K-1s from all my real estate deals, and I have to go out there and put together the financial statements on all my uh, grocery stores that I own, and it just on and on and on and on and on. It's stuff that has to be followed. Now, I don't run these businesses. I want you to understand that. I do not run the business. I don't have a key to any business, but I own them. And at the end of the year, I have to account for them with the IRS. So, yeah, is there time invested? Yes. Half a day's work for a year, maybe a day's work for a year to get everything together. I think it's worth it, especially with the kind of money that you can make. Very large amounts of money. The next email is a little more in-depth, a lot more in-depth, really. It says, listen to your podcast and enjoy your wisdom that you're passing on to us. Thank you for the time, for your time in doing this for us, little guys. I have a couple of questions for you. I have seven single-family rentals that I've had for a while. Let me check my time here. Okay, good. Uh, that I've had for a while that I bought over the past seven years, which have appreciated greatly in Phoenix, Arizona, metro area, Mesa to be exact. I've got them. I've got them financed at around 3% interest, and I'm cash flowing greatly on these properties that I plan to hold for at least another 10 years. I have recently sold my company, and I'm setting on a few million dollars that I'm looking to put to work. Real estate has been great to me, and I want to buy more homes, but the huge run-up in prices currently has me at a pause on purchasing. Can you give me your insight on whether I should be more open to purchasing at this time or wait and set and be patient for some type of crash or pullback? I know that interest rates are still very low as that makes purchasing more rentals attractive, but the huge run up in their prices over the past one or past two years are a bit scary and this can't keep happening and that could be a crash or a correction. 
Also, I'm really looking to get into the apartment complex situation, as I love messing and running rental properties. It sounds like a great project to spend time on it and get fully rented and then turn this for some money. Any of your input on giving me some direction here would be grateful. So, Kobe, here's the deal. Ever since 87, when the prices were $25,000 a house, while I was buying that, to now the median's $380,000 a house, every single point along that line, I thought there was going to be a pullback. just never happened. Now, you have to understand why, because the actual cost of owning a piece of real estate has gotten progressively more expensive over long, long periods of time. The construction costs are one thing, you know, buying the materials to build the house. The land has gotten more expensive because there's just not as much of it. You have to go farther and farther and further out of the city to afford the land. The government regulations, just inflation itself brings the price of the house up year after year after year after year. What you're talking about when you think there's going to be a recession is you're thinking about there being a supply and demand curve problem, right? That there's not going to be anybody to buy. So your home price, the house itself, the cost, The for sale price is going up, making it harder and harder for people to buy. And interest rates are climbing, which makes it even harder and harder to buy. So with those two factors, you would think that would be enough to kill the demand side of the curve. The problem is, according to the reports that I read to you last week, there are literally 4 million too few homes available right now. There's pent-up demand for 4 million homes. So if tomorrow they cut back some of that pent-up de- demand, in fact, you cut it in half, you still got 2 million shortages, a uh, shortage of 2 million homes. So you got to look at this thing and say, okay, homes are not affordable right now. They're just not. So what does that lead to? That means people are going to rent. And when you look at renting, vacancy is at the lowest point it's been in Years and years and years. There's almost no vacancy anymore, which means a landlord can charge whatever they want. If they only have one vacant unit, they can charge whatever they want because you drive around and you look and try to get a spot and you can't get one, you're pretty much going to take whatever there is. It's like, say, for example, I'll just give you an example. When I was in New York City many years ago, I don't think I've been there for 10 or 15 years, but when I was there, it was $3,000 a month to rent a 600-square-foot, five or 600-square-foot condo, which they call apartments out there, um, unit. We'll just call it a unit. One-bedroom or efficiency unit, 500 square feet, 3000 a month. You know, no normal human being would pay that unless they live in New York City. And so when you see that as insane and you come back here and you're able to rent a big 1,500-square-foot, three-bedroom apartment, $2,500, or a big, giant, 1,000-square-foot, two-bedroom apartment for $1,200 to $1,500, those rents, which just a few years ago here in Houston would, sound, would have sounded ridiculous, are now cheap. They're relatively cheap. And when you look at buying a home, and you know the, the lowest price home is $380,000, equating to at least a $3,800 a month payment, then you're looking at half of what it costs to buy a house. So vacancy is low, and more people can't afford homes, so there's more people wanting to rent, and there's no places to rent. What does that do? Well, it's effectively created a 16.8% rent increase across the country. Now, it's even higher in the Sunbelt states. And hence, 
Florida and Texas and some of these other, you know, southern states that are, I would say, red states, whatever you call them, they're getting inundated with people moving there. And in those states, there's as much as a 30 to 40 percent rent increase across the board. And it's still cheaper than buying a house. That's the weird thing about it. As long as that's the case, let's look at what that equates to. Rent increases across the board, low vacancy, those create higher profits. And higher profits relate to higher prices. So, when this gentleman's saying, I don't know if I should get in, the prices are too high, what you're basically saying is the profit's too high. Because the prices are directly related to the profit. Now, if the profits start to drop, then you might see the prices on apartments start to drop. But you have to worry about one last factor. And that last factor is there's no place to put your money right now. You can't earn money anywhere else. The apartment industry and the housing industry is where big, giant firms have started to put their money. Because there's no money anywhere else. There's no returns. Bonds, 0.5%. Savings accounts, 0.4%. You look at this thing. It's insane. In fact, after they raised interest rates, I heard that some short-term bonds actually went up to 2.3%. That is mind-boggling money. (laughs) Until you figure out you can earn 30% a year on real estate. When you look at the cash flow tied to the capital gains, we're making about 33% a year. We're doubling our money about every three years. And then you go, wow, 2.3% for these new bonds. Ooh. The answer is, Kobe, I don't see the prices going down. I see more and more money, pent-up money from all over the world going into real estate. We'll be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Right now, we're coming upon a great opportunity. It's that time in which you're going to find that the marketplace is changing and it is shifting to a buyer's market away from a seller's market. Number one, the brokers don't want you to know that. They're going to do everything they can do to keep you from believing the truth. Number two, the sellers don't want to believe it. Although in the back of their minds, they know it. Now, that doesn't mean everybody will crater for you. But some people are going to be in those situations where they have to negotiate for deals. And you've got to be there. Now, if you're not there, you won't get one. Join us for the free online workshop and we'll show you how to be in the right place at the right time in any market cycle. Register at LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. That's LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we're in the mailbag and uh, answering questions for people. The next one up is an interesting question. It's going to require doing some math to be able to explain it to you. The first uh, gentleman asked, I have $200,000 in a 1031. I don't know what to do next. I'm interested in buying a multi-property, but feel that I'm not making anything when I add up the rent and compare that to the mortgage. The max rent only gives me about $200 as passive income per month. How 
besides my accumulating of equity, will I make any money? Guy doesn't make a comment that he's in the group or anything, so he very well might not even understand what he's doing. That's a possibility. But whether or not it is, the answer to his question is a little bit more complicated than that. First of all, what we're finding out there is that we're able to buy properties that have about a 7% cash on cash return, and then we're able to refinance them after about three years or sell them and double our money. So we're getting over 100% return over a three year period of time. So seven, seven, and seven, that's 21. If we even pull out 80% refi, we're at 100% return, right? This gentleman's saying he's gonna make $200 a month. Let's drill down a little bit. $200 a month times 12 is $2,400 a year. He's got a $200,000 investment he wants to put into it. That's a 1.2% return. That's not going to make it. So the question is, how many actual deals did he look at when everything we're buying, everything we're buying is averaging about 7% return? How is he only able to find something that's 1.2? And I question whether or not he's taken the course. And if he did, did he really get deep into it and study it? Did he get a mentor or not? Is he just trying to do this on his own? Uh, he doesn't have access to the deals. I don't know what his problem is, but I'm just telling you, we're getting 7% returns. Um, and what I want you to understand from that is how really good that is. I'm going to walk you through some math I bet you've never thought about. What is 100% gain? in return on a 1.2% return. If I say I make 100% more on my investments than you do, and you do 1.2%, and by the way, savings accounts are only like 0.5 or 0.4. Let's say you make 1.2, and I say I do 100% better than you. What is that? That's 2.4%. If I do 200% better than you, that's 3.6%. If I do 300% better than you, that's 4.8%. If I do 400% better than you, that's 6%. And if I do 500% better than you do, that's 7.2%. So if you're out there earning anything, like anything under 1%, earning 7% is over a 500% increase in your return. So think about this now. This is 500% better than what you can get your hands on especially if this guy's saying that's all he can find. So that's really where the problem is with this gentleman. The next one from Gary says, longtime listener and researcher, and I believe that I'm ready to take the step and attend a Lifestyles Unlimited workshop or seminar the next time they come to Virginia. You wouldn't happen to know when that would be. Uh, you could call our office because we go there all the time now. Uh, Virginia's another one of the states we just moved into. Um, just call our office and find out. Uh, one of the things that I would point out, though, is longtime listener and researcher. So, in other words, he's been listening to us and researching us for a long time. That slows down the progress. I understand wanting to be careful. I understand being hypervigilant. Uh, but at some point, you're going to have to pull the trigger. Then he goes on and says, that was not the reason for this email. I have a question for you. Uh, have you ever heard of this company program called Fundrise LLC? And how does it compare to Lifestyles Unlimited? Is the same thing in the same concept? No, it's not anywhere close. I had to look it up. I'd never heard of them. But what they are is they are um, syndicators. And syndicators raise money and go buy something, whatever it is, whether it's cars or houses or apartment complexes or something. They, they, they raise money, create companies, and buy stuff, buy businesses, right? 
These guys are that. They are syndicators. So, what does that mean? When you go into their deal, they're going to make money on the front end. They're going to make money on the commissions. They're going to make money managing it. They're going to make money on financing it. They're going to make money on selling you commission or selling you securities. They're going to make money on getting out of the deal. So, they're making money. Everything they touch, they make money on. What does that do to the total overall profit paid out from the syndication to the passive investors, which would be you in the syndication? It means it lowers it quite a bit. And if anything goes wrong, these guys got these things set up where they have no risk at all. They just walk away. What we do at Lifestyles is we teach you how to buy your own single family houses, to buy your own apartment complexes, and also how to syndicate if you want to be a syndicator. However, if you syndicate in our group, you have to follow something called the white paper. The white paper is a set of rules put in place to make sure you run the property the way a property should be run so it will be successful. And they're there to protect the passives from the lead investors. They don't just suck the deal dry. So, it's much safer to invest in a syndication when you have the, the lead investors or the syndicators, as you would call them in the outside world. I call them lead investors once they've passed all my tests. They pass the lead investor test exam and get certified in our exam and follow and sign that they're willing to follow the rules. I feel you have a much safer situation. Is everything perfect? Nothing's ever perfect in life when people are involved, but it's a much safer situation than being out there in the real world where people can do whatever they want to do. These syndicators can anyway. As always, feel free to respond by email or by radio. Okay, hope he's listening right now. Gary, I hope that answers your question. And Gary, get in here. <laughs> Stop wasting your time, buddy. We want to get you retired in two to five years, and I don't want to start that process five years from now. So. Get on in here and get started. Uh, let's see here. Apartment in Denver. I have an additional dwelling unit and ground floor apartment on my property in central Denver. Can your program teach me how to use it to make them three separate rental properties? Uh, yeah, the answer is yes. I mean, we teach people how to be landlords the right way. And, uh, of course, with this process here, you've you got to get those properties in shape, make sure that they're best product, best price. We'll teach you how to price them. We'll teach you how to rent them. We'll teach you how to screen your tenants. Uh, all the things you need to know to be a successful landlord. And that's what Lifestyles does. We work with people to be successful real estate investors slash landlords. We don't, what we don't teach is buy, uh, buy, rehab, and flip. We're not, we don't teach flipping because that doesn't lead to wealth. Flipping is a job. You go out there, you find something, you do it, knock, 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 hammer, 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 paint, 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 sell, sell, sell. So you're a salesman and you're a construction guy. Or if you don't do construction, you're a salesman and a salesman. You're a buyer and a salesman. A buyer and a salesman. It's still a job. Um, what we, we want to do is we want to teach you how to build wealth. We want to teach you how to create a portfolio that will pay for you to not have to get up and go to work. I just want to end this show here with a few personal comments. It's uh, that time of year again where we are going to have to report to the government, the IRS, what we have as far as income. And I know that there's a, a great song out there that I've always loved the wording to. It goes something along the lines of, there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. The old cowboy way of looking at life. You know, I think a lot of you out there look at life that way. It's like, you know, we go through life every year. We make our paycheck. We have interest in our savings accounts or whatever, you know. Whatever we do, we have a few pennies here and there coming in. 
at the end of the year, you just sign it all over. Say, here's my W-2, and you've taken all my taxes, and you've already got them from me. Hopefully, I might get some of them back, but that's it. That's how proactive you are about your finances. I'd like to share with you what I've been doing for the last 35 years. I have a spreadsheet that I keep, and each and every month, I keep track of not only my paycheck, but each and every company I own, each and every apartment complex I own, each and every commercial deal that I own, all the different companies, different things, like I own real estate sales companies, and I used to have just Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin. Now we have Phoenix, Florida, Tennessee. We just put in four more of them. So I'm tracking what all those do. I track what all my software companies do. We have two software companies, uh, actually one, but it has two different products. So we track what the software companies do for us. And so I got this giant spreadsheet each month. Oh, and then all my savings accounts. I track all my savings accounts. You say all your savings, how many savings accounts do you have? Well, I have quite a few of them, somewhere in the, probably around 20 different savings accounts. Why do you have so many savings accounts? Because you're only able to insure up to $250,000 through the FDIC in each savings account. And if you're married, you can add your spouse onto that and get 500000 from each savings account. And if you've got kids, you can add your kids on as beneficiaries so that if you die, they get the money. Now you can get, you know, say you have two kids, you can get up to a million dollars per savings account. None of that comes close to 20 or 30 or 40 or $50 million. So you've got to spread that stuff out, even though you may not even get it all covered by the FDIC, at least you don't lose it all if one bank goes down, right? So you got to spread your money out a little bit, and that's really kind of painful. When I first started doing it, just so much easier to have all your money in one spot and be able to go there and say, hey, look how much money I have, blah, blah, blah. Now I have to put together this elaborate financial statement just to share it. But the point I'm making to you is it's not all that difficult if you stay on top of it every single month. So every single month I have fill out this spreadsheet, what did I make on each one of these each month that keeps me focused where I'm at, and you see my monthly income, and then you total it down, you see where I'm at annually. What you do is you focus on increasing that. Can I add one rent house this year and make that number go up? Can I add one rent house each quarter and make that go up four times this year? Can I buy one apartment complex and make a major difference in that number? What can I do? Can I get a second job? Whatever it is that I have to do. Whatever you're doing, tracking those numbers puts focus on it. And whatever it is in life you focus on, that's what you'll get better at. If you focus on failure, you're going to become a better failure. But if you focus on success, then success will grow in your life. You have to focus. And I think keeping records and maintaining them monthly is the only way you can keep your eye focused in on where you're at financially. You need to do this. It's simple. Anybody can set up a quick spreadsheet, especially if you're starting out with nothing. What do I have? I have my paycheck, my wife's paycheck, and I have a small savings account. I have a 401k. Put those all on there and see where they're going each month. See what's happening with them. Track them. Be upset when your 401k pulls back, has a pullback, and loses you $100,000 in one month. Be upset about that. You probably don't even see it. In other words, the head in the sand method of financial planning. If I don't know what's happening, I won't care. That's not the way you need to be. And last of all, it's time to report and to report accurately and to report honestly. I run into people all the time, self-employed people and other people who hide their income from the IRS. They find ways to hide it. 
And they're doing that so they don't have to pay taxes on it. But when it comes time to go out there and try to buy something, you have no proof of money. You have no proof of credit. And in addition to that, if you're doing something illegally to do that by just not reporting or by obfuscating how and what you really did make, if you're doing something illegal and you get caught, then you're going to lose everything. The IRS is not someone to fight with. The IRS took down Al Capone. Police couldn't take him down. The IRS got him. And so you need to make sure you report honestly. Now, worst of all, I know people that don't even fill out tax returns. Two, three, four years. You realize you're not in society. There's no way you're going to get rich. You can't, you can't get rich and not fill out tax returns. They'll throw you in the pokey. When they finally catch you, you will not only have massive fines and penalties, but you will go to jail. You don't want to do that. So fill out those tax returns. Get them in early. Oh, and by the way, if you own a lot of real estate, you're going to get money back. The most money I ever got back in one year was $1.7 million. Big year for me. Happened to be the year Donald Trump changed the tax laws so that you could take double de- uh, depreciation on the first year you bought something. I just so happened to buy a lot of stuff that year and got a great tax write up. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.